I'm Rachel Grimm, and welcome to the podcast with all your mind. I'm here to help us understand the Bible with cultural and historical context, linguistic info, and other cool stuff. Enjoy. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Welcome back. This is Rachel, and this is With All Your Mind. And if my voice sounds a little bit froggy, I think it's just because it's winter and my voice gets a little bit funky when it's really cold and the heat turns on a lot in my house and it just dries out the air and it does this. So I just have to deal with it. I go to over to my pantry and eat little spoonfuls of honey and that helps. So I might just do that a time or two while recording this. So Today, we're talking about one of those things that you might look at the title and think, I don't know, (laughs) I might skip this one. But if you're here, great. I'm really glad you are because this is actually one of my favorite things to talk about. Weird, I know. Because it combines two of my favorite things. Number one, word studies, which means taking a biblical word like, you know, the original Hebrew or Greek so that you have one single concept and following it through the Bible to really understand what that concept is to really get a handle on it. So I really love word studies because it's not taking an English word like love and going a hundred different directions with it because that's what you can do. But going to the biblical concept of something and seeing what that is and then seeing how we can apply it and how we can understand it. And it might take a variety of different words to understand it, but we now understand the concept, not just one word. So anyway, we are talking about sin, transgression, and iniquity. So combining word studies with finding something that you thought you didn't like and then really liking it a lot. (laughs) It's one of my other favorite things. And with this, when I discovered what is sin really, it was such a relief to me. And when I discovered what iniquity is really, even more relief. We're going to start with one of my favorite Bible passages that we just talked about with the Chesed episode just a couple episodes ago. And we talked about this, Exodus 34, 6 and 7, right? Because we just talked about it because the word Chesed is in there in verse 6. Let me read that verse. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and abounding in goodness and truth. So that is the New King James Version. That's the version I use a lot, by the way, just because I have a really skinny New King James Version, and it fits into my bag really well. But anyway, that goodness there is hesed, and that's in the New King James. In other versions, they have unfailing love, steadfast love, or loyal love. So we already talked about Hesed in another episode. So if you want to hear about Hesed, go to episode uh, number 14, I think, of season two here. But that's not where the phrase or the thought even stops for what we're talking about there. Exodus 34, 6 and 7 are a whole thought. So let's look at this whole passage here, okay? Verses 6 and 7. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. And then the next verse, Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. So when we talked about verse 6 in the Hesed episode, we talked about how 
chesed is really hard to translate and somewhat hard to say as well. And that's because it's a concept that we don't have a direct translation for in English. We kind of have to talk circles around it a little bit to kind of get all of the different aspects and different angles and all of the ideas that are connected with it. And that's the problem with it with translation is that chesed isn't just one. uh, This is a good way to explain it. It's not a concrete noun. It's not like book or table or wall or chair. It's an abstract noun. It's an idea. So you can't explain it with just one word because it's a whole concept, right? So that's what we talked about in the chesed episode, that to translate that word, it's hard. And so we have a variety of words that we use to translate it, such as goodness, sometimes mercy, very often love, and even better yet, loyal love. That's probably the best one that I know of, but it still doesn't hit it right on. So then moving on, when we read verse 7 there, it said, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. So today, we're going to look at how old-fashioned words, words that are specific to Christianity, are sometimes the best choices for translation, even though they might make you cranky to see them in there. Does it make you cranky to see the word transgression or iniquity in there? And you think, why couldn't they use an easier word? Or, oh, that's like King James English. Why are we still sticking with that? Do you ever think that? Here's the thing, though. They're the best words to put in there. We just need to know what they mean specifically. So (laughs) the whole episode is in me explaining why. Okay? Because verse 7 there has all three of those words in one verse. Sin, transgression, and iniquity, all in one verse. And I was looking around a bit, and Psalm 51 has the same thing happening. Psalm 51, 1 and 2 says, Have mercy on me, God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. So here's the question. If those three words are in one verse all together, or even in, you know, the same phrase or the same dialogue. What do they mean? What's the difference between them? Why do we have all three? Are they just synonyms? And if they are, why do we bother repeating them all? What What's the deal, basically? Well, the good news, and this is good news, trust me, is they do not all mean the exact same thing. And it gives a lot of info to know the specific meanings. It gives you a lot of detail and context to know the specific meanings and information on how to relate to God and to ourselves, which I find really interesting. But it's tricky because these words have been translated lots of different ways, partly because they're seen as old-fashioned and so newer translations that try to use everyday common language try to avoid them because we don't use those words too much in just everyday English. If we're not talking about Christianity, we pretty much don't use the word sin, transgression, or iniquity. So typically, newer translations are trying to find ways around those words. However, they're a great example for how you need specific terminology or maybe what we call Christian jargon for concepts that we need to know. Because many translations try to avoid these words, or even, you know, in King James and New King James and ESV and more formal translations, do use other words instead of sin, iniquity, and and transgression 
just because there's different aspects of the word that they're trying to convey. And I'm going to give you a little list here. Unrighteousness, blame, offense, guilt, and there are others that we'll get to after a little bit. So we're going to go through these one at a time so that there won't even be that much to remember, okay? We're going to start with sin and we're going to end with iniquity. And you have to think of all of these as belonging to the same category. And there's just subsets, subcategories under them. All right, so let's start with sin. And this goes for Old Testament and New Testament, right? I looked at the Hebrew and the Greek words, and they match with each other. So it doesn't really matter if you're in the New Testament or the Old Testament. And there is a little bit of overlap between these words, but this is generally how it works, okay? So sin, what is sin? Sin is the general category. This is the word that means something went wrong. (laughs) Something happened and it wasn't right. And it usually, in the context of the Bible, means wrong done against God. And it doesn't always mean that, right? You sinned against me. That means that you did something that was not right in our relationship. So even Abimelech, the king of Gerar in Genesis, when... Abraham is going off the reservation and telling Sarah, hey, you should lie for me and tell these guys that you're my sister so they they won't kill me for you. When Abimelech finds out that Abraham lied to him and was basically dishonoring him while he was giving him hospitality, Abimelech says, you sinned against me. So when we talk about these words and what they mean within the Bible, There's still a cultural context that it doesn't always mean particularly within the context of a relationship with God, but that is mostly what we're talking about, okay? So back to sin. Abimelech said, you sinned against me when you lied to me. When um, Joseph is in Egypt and he demands that his brothers bring down Benjamin uh, when when they need to buy grain and he's like, I don't know if you're telling the truth about who you are. If you say you have another brother, bring him to me. Well, dad doesn't want to let Benjamin go because he wants to protect him. He's the baby. He's the only living son of his beloved wife, Rachel. Yay, Rachel. And Judah, one of the brothers says, hey, if anything happens to him, it'll be my sin. It'll be my blame. You can blame it on me. So in that context, he's just talking about it in terms of blame. But generally, when we talk about sin... It's just a very general term. And at one point, it was an archery term. You've probably seen Robin Hood, where they have target practice, right? They're shooting at a target with a bullseye on it. That circle in the middle is the bullseye, right? That's what you want to hit. And the archery term, if you did not hit the bullseye, if you were not perfect, was sin. So any time that you weren't perfect, they would say, ah, sin. It's kind of like saying out, you know? And sin, it just means not perfect, not doing everything exactly as it was supposed to be done. Within the context of a relationship with God, sin against God means not fulfilling our relationship with him perfectly, wandering from the path, doing wrong. And it's something that we're responsible for, whether or not we're even aware of it. In Leviticus 4, it talks about if anybody sins through ignorance. That means if you're not aware that you sinned, here's what you do. And that gives us the clue that it doesn't even matter if you intended on doing that wrong. If you purposely sinned, 
or if you were ignorant, if you had no clue what was going on. So sin can be deliberate or on accident through ignorance, and it's just not being perfect. And it means something that we're responsible for where we did not fulfill our obligation in a relationship and we weren't perfect. It's pretty simple. I really like it because it's really simple. That's sin. So some other words for it were offense, violation, and blame. Now here's another interesting thing that I'm going to bring up for each of these words, and that is how often they occur in different translations of the Bible. Because like I said, more modern translations that try to use everyday speech tend to avoid these words. I'm going to give you some stats for that. The word sin occurs in the King James Bible 448 times. 448. NIV and ESV are all pretty similar at 465, 445. And the NLT, which is a very modern, very simple, trying to use everyday common speech Bible, actually uses it the most at almost 500 times. So 50 times more than the King James Bible. So some translations are like, bring it on. We don't mind the word sin at all. So that one, people don't change a whole lot, except for the NLT, which added it more. And you'll see why later. All right, so let's move on to the word transgression. Now, I usually mess this up. I want to say trespass, and then I end up saying trans, and I just mess it up. So I have to talk really slowly and deliberately to say the word transgression. Transgression. There you go. Okay. So again, it's the same in the Old Testament and the New Testament. If you really want to know which Hebrew and Greek words I'm looking at for these, let me know, but I'm not going to throw it in here. So transgression is a little bit more of a willful, deliberate, on purpose kind of thing where you're like, "Uh, I'm going to do things my way or "Uh, I'm going to, I don't care about that law. I, I want to do it the way I want to do it. And because of that, there's a verse in Romans 4 that says, where there is no law, there is no transgression. That means (laughs) that basically, if you make a law, that makes an opportunity to break the law, right? If there's no law, there's no breaking the law. Of course, it's pretty obvious, right? But the point is that there is a law. (laughs) And if you break it, you're transgressing. So some other words for this are rebellion and trespass. So this is a kind or category of sin. Sin is the very broad, general category, and transgression is a kind of sin. It means disobedience or rebellion, which means you know in some way that you're doing it, whether it's just in the back of your brain that you're like, this doesn't feel quite right. Maybe I should think about this more, or something's off, but you do it anyway or whether you know specifically that you should not do something and then you do it anyway. That's transgression. It involves a law. That means you're breaking some law, whether it's people-made or God-made. And that means that there's also an authority, which I find really interesting, that breaking a law means rejecting authority. So transgression in some way means rejecting God's authority. And that's why it's talked about as rebellion. Rebelling against a law means rebelling against God. Okay, let's talk about the stats for this word. Transgression does not appear in the Bible nearly as much 
as the word sin. The King James Bible only has it 51 times. The ESV has it 43. NIV drops way down to 11. And then the NLT Bible, zero. It's not in there at all, which probably explains why they had so many of the words sin. They probably took some of those words that were transgression and just put the word sin instead to simplify it. But as you can see, it's not the same thing. It's generally the same thing, but general category versus specific type, that's eh, a little bit different, okay? So King James Bible, just 50 times. So this is not, not a word you're just going to even read that much in the Bible. All right, let's move on to the last one, which is iniquity. This one I find to be the most interesting one. It has the most connotations to it. It's the most, it's just the most interesting, I guess. So with some other words, <laughs> so here's some other words that are used when iniquity isn't used because there's always other words in there. Perversity, depravity, guilt, injustice, and here's a big one, unrighteousness. So this is another category of sin, and it might be a transgression. It might not be a transgression, but it's always a sin, okay? So there's like a Venn diagram of sin going on here, where both circles are sin. (laughs) This is going to get complicated fast. I'm going to throw away the analogy. Anyway, so iniquity is a type of sin, and sometimes it's a transgression, and sometimes it's not, right? So perversity, depravity, guilt, injustice, unrighteousness, you kind of get a feel that it's just kind of like the stain of humanity, right? It's just the ickiness, the dirtiness of humanity. And this is the sin that comes to us naturally as a part of our humanity, If you want to think of it in broad terms, that's a good way to think of it. Human nature, human sin, sin nature, the sin that just comes naturally to human beings. But if you want to bring it down to the individual, this is the sin that comes to us naturally as a part of our disposition, our temperament, our nature, our character, kind of our personality. And it usually comes about in spite of consequences. This is the kind of sin that you do that you're, you tend to do. It's the ways that you tend to react or relate that aren't good. <laughs> and it's something that when somebody asks you, why did you do that? And you say, oh, I don't know, it's just the way I am. That might be your iniquity. And you can't say it that way. <laughs> I shouldn't say it that way as if there's only one and there's just one specific way that we all have iniquity. Um, It's just what we end up doing because that's the way our personalities want to go. It's our humanity. When I think of it in terms of movies, like, you know, you tend to think of pictures and images for these things in movies and in the media. The picture I get for iniquity is movie-like evil, where the villain is just this way and the good guy is trying to convince him that he can change his life. It's not too late. And the villain is like, no, it's too late. And it's, he feels like it's hard to get rid of, that he can't change his life and that he needs some special magic. And usually in the movie, there needs to be some really huge catalyst to get a villain to change, right? It feels like you need supernatural powers. You need some magic 
to overcome this. So you can think of iniquity (laughs) as movie evil and that we all have that movie evil in us. So let's talk about the stats with iniquity. Iniquity occurs a lot more than transgression in the Bible, but less than sin. So in the King James, it's 278 times, 278, that's, that's a good chunk. The ESV drops that all the way down to 165. The NIV is only 13 times. And the NLT with a grand total of three. So that's a huge range of usage of a word that no wonder we don't really pay attention to it and really know how to use it and how to talk about it. Because in some Bibles, it's just barely used. All right, so with these three words... We're going to talk about how they work together and how to deal with them. I used to teach this as a Bible study, so it's really hard for me to get away from the application part of this because you absolutely need an application for this. You need to know what to do with this, right? We can't just talk about nastiness of humanity and just leave it at that. No, I'm sorry. I can't do that. So when we talk about these things, the Bible does talk about how to deal with them. And there are different verses And different chapters that really talk about these things in depth. And if you want to see where, which book talks a lot about sin, uh, read Romans. The first like six chapters of Romans deal with sin so much. And you'll just see the words sin, iniquity, and transgression, and perversity, and depravity, and all of these words pop out like every other word. So if you really want to read about sin, read Romans. Um, But there's random other verses that talk a lot about it. Ephesians 2 talks a lot about it. And a lot of these verses have one or two of these words in there. Like Ephesians 2 talks about trespasses and sins. Isaiah 59 talks about iniquity and sins. So it's not in just a couple of verses that we see these words together to know that we definitely need to know the difference between them. All right, so here's how we deal with them, right? 1 John 1, 9 is my key to understanding how to deal with, how to handle what to do with sin, iniquity, and transgression, okay? So 1 John 1, 9 does not talk about transgression, but we don't really need it in there to really get a picture. Here's how 1 John 1, 9 talks about it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all and here's the word, iniquity, unrighteousness. So let me read that again. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that word is iniquity. This is, this is why this is my favorite word study to do, okay? So the first part talks about how we should deal with sin. If we confess our sins, that's what we should do with them. Confess our sins. So God just says, hey, if you're not perfect, can you please just tell me (laughs) and I'll forgive you for it? And I'm like, oh, cool. All I have to let God know about are the ways that I just haven't been 100% perfect. Doesn't that take the pressure off that I'm pretty sure we can all admit that we're not perfect? That's a no-brainer. If you ever spilled milk in your life, you know you're not perfect. So to to go down the same road with the same logic and be like, well, I wasn't kind to that person there because I was in a hurry. I was not perfect. That's easy. We can all do that. 
It's just a matter of doing that uh, consistently and to the right people. And even when we're proud or tired or hungry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's so simple, isn't it? Sin just means we're not perfect. God wants us to, to admit to it whenever that happens. That's doable. I can totally do that. So that's the first half of what to do with the general category of sin. And that goes for transgression too. Whether you did it deliberately or not, God wants you to admit it to him and then he will forgive it. Cool. Awesome. (laughs) I'm okay with that. The next part is even better, right? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and the he there is God. He is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that word is iniquity. So we talked about how iniquity seems like the stain of humanity, right? How it's just the gritty, grungy nastiness that covers all of human, like every human on the face of the planet. So this is the stuff that feels like it's so hard to get rid of. And if you work on your impatience your whole life, or if you work on your jealousy or your resentment towards people that do better than you, all of these different things, whatever your thing is, and maybe you have five, maybe you have two, maybe you have all of them, whatever all means, there's certain ways that you tend to just be and ways that I tend to be that you don't even want to be. Like nobody likes a resentful person. And when you're resentful, you're like, man, why am I so resentful? That's the stain of humanity. That's your iniquity. God says, hey, if you just confess to me all the places where you're not perfect, I will take care of that one. I will wash that away. I will be that magic that lets the villain change, even though he thinks it's too late and it feels impossible right? Does that make sense? Iniquity is the thing that we cannot do anything about. And God does not expect us to. Isn't this a win? (laughs) Isn't this fantastic? Isn't this so freeing? Where you're like, I can't change myself. And God's like, "Uh, yeah, duh, I know. He's like, that's my job. Your job is to admit where you're not perfect. Wow, that is so simple. Once I realized the simplicity of this kind of relationship with God, I was like, oh, I should never be ashamed to admit to anything because that's just a no-brainer and God will deal with the rest. Great. Now, when I forget that, which I often do, it seems much harder. But when I remember the facts, it's much easier to think about. Okay. So I have a short list of applications here. So number one, sin. What is sin? It's just something that's wrong. What do we do about it? Take responsibility and confess. Okay. Transgression. What is it? A wrong done on purpose. What do we do about it? Recognize that there's a law, specifically God's law, and it's there and it's right. Confess. (laughs) Number three, iniquity. What is it? It's kind of the stain of humanity, our human nature that goes wrong and weird and disgusting. How do we deal with it? deal with what you can, and then let God have the freedom to deal with the rest. You can't change your heart. You can't change your personality, but God can change your heart and he will if you let him. I've seen this done. (laughs) I've seen it done to me, so I know it's possible. So don't worry about it. If you believe that God can do it, he will and he can. 
All right, so I have an analogy for all of this because this is a lot of information, especially if you are unfamiliar with these words and you're not a good visualizer and it's just a big mess in your head now. So I have this analogy that has worked really well and I love it. It's the hotel towels analogy. I don't think it's this way so much anymore, but it used to be that there was some confusion about whether hotel towels and hotel robes were complementary and could be taken out of the room just like the little shampoo and conditioner bottles that you totally could take along with the tiny sewing kit and the comb, blah, blah, blah. Hotel towels. If you went to a hotel and, and by the way, <laughs> you can't take hotel towels. They are not complimentary. Leave them in the room, okay? But say you went to a hotel, you went to a Motel 6 and you had a great time, you watched TV, you went to bed, you woke up the next morning, you got a shower, threw the towel on the floor, and dried your hair, got dressed, and then you packed your suitcase, and you checked out, and you went home, and everything was great. And then you go to unpack your suitcase, and you're like, oh, what's this? Did I accidentally pack the hotel towel? What's it doing in here? It's even wet. I didn't mean to put this in here. I must have just been preoccupied thinking about the news because I had the news on while I was getting dressed this morning. And I don't usually do that because I don't usually get dressed in a hotel room. I usually get dressed at home with no TV on. Oops, I stole a hotel towel. There's your sin. That's sin. You did something wrong. Doesn't matter if you meant to do it or not. You stole a hotel towel. How dare you? All right, so there's stealing a towel accidentally. That's a sin. Here's another situation. You go to Helta, you go to Motel 6 again, and you kept that old towel, and you're like, you know what? <laughs> I loved that towel. It was the best towel I've ever had. It's so soft and so cozy. I know I'm not supposed to take hotel towels, but I'm going to get one more just because I love it so much. And you stuff that hotel towel into your suitcase and you take it home with you. Transgression. You knew it was wrong and you did it anyway. That's transgression. All right, iniquity. <laughs> iniquity is now there's something about your human nature involved. Some way that you typically go with your personality or your desires or your quirks <laughs> or whatever you want to call them that isn't good. Maybe you go to a different hotel. This time you're at a Holiday Inn Express and you've never been to this hotel before and you check in and you look up on the wall and there's the plaque and it has the manager's name on it and you see the manager's name and you're like, oh, and it's your ex-boyfriend or your ex-girlfriend from high school and this person was a jerk to you. They broke up with you on prom night in front of everybody they were horrible. And you're, you go to your room and you're seething and you're like, I cannot believe it. I don't want to support this guy with my business here. <laughs> and you do something awful. You do something out of resentment or spite or anger or hatred. Something that is the stain of the soul. Something that comes out of you. You're not typically like that, maybe. But it's your humanity that comes up and wants revenge or retaliation or maybe just dignity and justice, whatever the thing is. And you, 
This is weird revenge, so I'm not suggesting it. But you take all of the hotel towels in the room and you get out a Sharpie that you had in your bag and you just mark up all of the hotel towels and you write the manager's name and you say something horrible about him on the hotel towels. That's iniquity. That's where the stain, the nastiness that is inside of you spills out somehow. That's iniquity. So there you go. There's the hotel towels analogy. It's kind of a progression from a simple mistake to something that, you know, the verse in Proverbs about um, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you have a nasty heart, nasty things will come out of your mouth. If you have a clean heart, clean things will come out of your mouth. Iniquity is what makes that clean or dirty, right? So out of the iniquity of your heart, uh, hotel towels might get vandalized. (laughs) I don't know how you want to interpret that. But anyway, that is what I have for today. Um, And just a side note, Hebrews 4 is where it talks about where Jesus has zero sin. So if you want to know if it can be done, can humans not have that depravity, that iniquity? Yes, it's possible because Jesus was perfect. And, you know, nobody can be like him exactly, but that is how he is different, is that he never once made a mistake and violated his relationship with God. Not once. All right. So I hope that helps you guys to understand sin, iniquity, and transgression, and to maybe not feel so cranky the next time you see them in your Bible to know that that translation in there is actually doing justice to those words. And hey, if you come up with another modern English equivalent for that word, great. That's what we need. But for now, sin, iniquity, and transgression are it. They describe something specific, and we need them in the Bible to be able to understand that. If you blur the lines between them with translation, it's harder to know what God is talking about when he talks about how to deal with these things or even how we're doing them, right? So another example of how Bible translation really affects our understanding And sometimes we just kind of have to stay quote unquote old fashioned to really know what the Bible is saying. So I'm not always a fan of Christian jargon and Christianese, and we'll actually do a whole podcast episode on Christianese another time. But in the case of sin, iniquity, and transgression, I think they should stay. All right. So I hope you guys have a great day and I'll talk to you again another time. Bye-bye.